Hi folks and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. A little bit of housekeeping before we kick off. We want you to join us to keep these mics on and the conversations like the one you're about to listen to keep going. It's really simple. There's a link. It says patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack. It's at the top of the podcast you're listening to right now. Click the link. Throw us the price of a fancy cup of coffee and maybe a scone once a month. And you'll be helping keep an independent left-leaning podcast platform going into the future. Think of it, think of it as a bit of activism. But it also has lots of rewards. For example, yesterday evening, uh, Roman and Owen from The Ditch hosted a Twitter space with myself, Echo Chamber co-host Martin, Polly Doyle and Spice Bag in relation to the attack on their journalism by Tonish to Michal Martin. And I have the audio of that and it's available right now for our members. There's also a great conversation Rory had with one of our favourite economists, Michael Taft, on what we should be doing with this huge budget surplus and how we could focus it on building sustainable jobs and helping tackle the climate and housing emergencies. Always great to listen to Michael, and he's one of my favourites, and I'm not just saying that because we have a shared love of Randy Newman. So why don't you click the link, join us for a month. You don't have to stick around if you don't think it's worth it, but I think it is. Thousands of you are listening. We just need some of you to help us pay it forward. And if you're not in a position to join us, just spread the word. There's no better endorsement we can get than you recommending us to one of your friends as I say all the time, no ads, no sponsors. We rely on you. Thanks for all the support. I'm going to stop rabbiting on. Enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber podcast. My name is Tony Groves and this was uh, one of these podcasts that kind of happened by accident because when you're watching Aroctus TV like a dope that I am, right? And let's, There's no two ways about it. I'm an absolute dose uh, and I know what I am, but there I was watching Aroctus TV and the Taoiseach took to his feet to answer questions from the other party leaders. And all of the questions were inevitably relating to housing. And he kept referring to the the uh, winter eviction ban that he had put in place and saying how, listen, this was a European norm. It was only just a Europe. It was just a European norm of a winter eviction ban. And I'm screaming at the uh, at the iPad going like, lads, you know, yes, other countries have a winter eviction ban, but that's not what we had. We had a temporary moratorium on no-fault evictions. Why, why is no member of the opposition calling this out? So I was, in fact, angrier at the opposition than I was at the Taoiseach while I was watching this. He's just tre- treading off the line and no one even had the wherewithal to call him out on it. So I kind of decided uh, we need to address this. Now, before we do, a couple of things I do want to say, first of all, to patrons, thank you so much for the support and the feedback to the conversation I had with Dr. Raheel and his colleagues. It was it was really, really lovely to get so many positive messages. I appreciate them. I don't know if I deserve them, but the podcast platform, I think that we've built, it's great that we had that space to be able to react so quickly and talk to members of that community and, and get that message out. And it has, of course, gone much more wider now. I mean, it was two days later, but now it's in the Irish Times. Now it's in the journal. Now it's on TV. So it's great to see. So thank you for the feedback. Um, and I really appreciate it. And then a couple of small little issues that are kind of related to what, what we're going to talk about. I, I The IDA and Bloomberg are in town today and they're having what's called a re-globalization uh, meeting. So they're having a conference on re-globalization because everybody's worried about the end of globalization that we will be, uh, you know, we'll be back to sort of the, the Trumpian idea of uh, putting your country first and, and to hell with the rest of the world. That that toothpaste isn't going back in the tube, but I just think it's going to be interesting to see what it means for 
the global the global Ireland because yesterday we saw that we we're now saying we're going to have this huge bu- budget surplus of 16 billion euro 16 billion euro in a year I want everybody to bear in mind in 2015 we were taking in about 6 billion a year in corporation tax now we're doing that every three months okay so tax haven Ireland is performing beyond its means because it's not like we're all working four times harder we just cannot possibly do that that the it's 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 functioning really well but it also shows us there's a serious problem when we a if we're going to be honest about it we have to admit that we we if we're going to maintain our place as this tax haven well then wealth redistribution has to be has to be a serious serious conversation or as Aidan Regan put it to me yesterday wealth pre-distribution in other words making sure that we don't have all of these people on bogus self-employment contracts or poorly paid roles not because we now have the money that we know we can expand the public service and actually pay people adequate wages and the second part to that is if we're if we're also going to be honest about it we have to understand that it won't it cannot last forever because effectively some other country is losing out if we're taking those those taxes that are not being paid elsewhere so we have to be honest and see how long and how sustainable that is i know that sounds really grim but it's an honest conversation we have to have other countries have had sovereign wealth funds built off fossil fuels off other um things that they've done and now they're putting themselves forward as these great um you know shiny beacons of climate action having built their wealth on gas or or, or oil or whatever it is we have waving pipes that, that move um, taxes around the globe and that's our sovereign wealth fund, folks. And we need to get real about it and have an honest conversation. And that is one of the other reasons I'm delighted to be rejoined on the podcast by our friend in Helsinki smiling at me right now on Zoom, Dan Nickstrom. Dan, uh, uh, you've just heard me go on for about three minutes. You know, what do you, what did you take away from that there when you were smiling so so broadly? Uh, the Wavin pipes are a great, a great analogy. The Wavin pipes are firing the money down. Uh, it's very, very good. I'll never, I'll never change that because I always remember. Do you remember the Dennis Hickey running with the Wavin pipe and scoring the triad? Like, yeah, you know? yeah. yeah, that's we have these Wavin pipes and we charge a service fee. That's what we do. We don't really tax these corporations. We charge a service fee and. We have to keep the weapon pipes well lubricated. Yeah. Yes, yeah, and it's like you know, there's a there's a VAT consultant, a tax consultant, a corporate rate consultant. There's an account, there's accountants to beat the band. There's auditors, all of these people. There's an industry built up around it. But let's tell the truth and let's say, well, as again, back to Aiden's point, pre-distribution. Now let's go back to point one: the winter, temporary winter uh, eviction ban, as the Taoiseach said is a norm in most European countries. Dan, you're in Helsinki. Tell me what what uh, what, what you think of that and what, what, what points you kind of want to make from someone who is in rented accommodation in Helsinki. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I'll tell you the story. Yeah, um, yeah. when you mentioned this to me and when I've been following it all on Twitter and seeing everything that's been happening, like I was curious. I was just kind of digging into the... I, I, I knew in my gut that like it was a lot better, the, the tenants' rights all to here, but I, I just wanted to dig in and see. And basically, just to, to, to cut it down, is if you're in a fixed-term tenancy, you've signed that two-year lease, one-year lease, whatever it is, you cannot, under any circumstances, be told to leave uh, unless... You stop paying rent, or you wreck the gaff. You know, so so it's like it can't. It, the landlord can't say, "Oh, I'm selling the house." He can't say, "Oh, I have someone moving in." Nothing like that. You're in there for the full tenancy of the lease, no matter what. Okay, unless, like I said, you, there's a fault. You you've wrecked the gaff, or you stop paying rent. So so in 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 the official terminology, 
no fault evictions cannot take place under once you agree to the terms of your tenure. So if you've and 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 that's very clear because we've been saying this for a long and I get upset with some people saying, you know, getting to their feet, particularly members of the opposition saying you need to reinstate the eviction ban. It was not an eviction ban. It was a normal no fault more um, eviction ban on basically if you unless you're. You're not shitting in your hands and, and rubbing it on the walls, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. and and you and you continue to pay rent. That, yeah, it's... exactly. Be- because it, it's weird. Sometimes when these things are said, the longer I'm here, the more I'm getting into the mindset of here, and, and you just forget that it's not like that. Sometimes because, you know, but but no, it works both ways. If you sign a two-year lease, yeah, the landlord can't make you leave before the two years is up, or you can't leave either. You've agreed to the landlord to be there now. If your circumstances change, something happens, you decide you have to move, you can try and renegotiate with the landlord. Maybe you might have to pay some penalty. Let's say there's still another eight months left in your lease. You might have to break the contract, give them two months, something like that. You can figure it out between you. But basically, you've both agreed it's two years, so you're two years. Now, mm. you, you can also have an open-ended tenancy. That's it. If you don't want to commit, if you're like, well, I don't want to be, I don't know how long I'll be here. So you can have an open-ended tenancy. In that case, you're just in the place until further notice. And in that case, if the landlord does want to give you a notice to quit, if you're in an open-ended tenancy, well, there's a, then there's a, 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 a time period. So uh, if, if you've been in there for more than a year, it's six months. Mm. And if you've been in there for less than six months, I think it's three months, something like that. And if the tenant ever wants to leave, you only have to give one month notice. So it's up to the tenant, usually, which type of a contract they want. Do they want a very, very secure contract where they absolutely can't leave? Or do they want an open-ended tenancy where if there's a genuine reason, for, for for your leaving, they can they, they they can give you um some sort of a, some sort of notice, and also even if you are in um even if you have been served notice, that's a genuine notice, uh, because if you had an open ended tenancy and you've been served notice and you have to be out six months, uh, you can actually get protection against that if there's if for example the landlord is trying to up the rent and you say you don't want to pay it. And then they give you your three months notice. Well, then you can bring them to this court and then you would be, we'd have to stay. Also, if, for example, the landlord, uh, let's say he just doesn't have a, uh, or, or no, so if if the if the, the renter, uh, if by the landlord evicting the renter would give them uh, undue hardship, well, then th- that can also mean that they're, they're, if, if they don't have a genuine reason for kicking you out and it's going to cause you hardship, for example, your financial situation is very bad, it's very hard to find a place nearby, you're protected there. But, Typically, most people would have a fixed term lease yeah. anyway, so this doesn't even apply. So basically, you can't be kicked out until your until your lease is up. What's the typical kind of fixed term, Dan? Do you mind me asking? Because we keep pushing and knowing that in other countries, like I mean, other countries that have more sophisticated rental yeah. markets with with better tenant protections, they people don't see it as an issue to actually rent for for years, for decades, long, and, yeah. and long periods. So, what's the type of t- typical tenancy? Well, the typical, when I came here first, we signed a one-year lease because yeah. we didn't know exactly what we were doing. But the, the landlady who we were renting from, she actually was looking for, it suited her. Like, she, she she was hoping for something longer, but then she was like, oh, no, whatever, the year is fine. So she, in her book, she was like hoping we'd say three years or four years. So basically, if if there's a landlord who has a rental property, that they, their plan is like, I'm going to have this renting. I'm not planning on selling it. Of course, it's in their interest to say like, grand, four-year lease, you'll be here for four years. I don't have to do anything, you know? So um, it's, uh, f- from what I, 
I, I think two years is is quite typical from, from from what I hear. But of course, there are many people who can you can write a ten year lease if you want. You can write as long as you want, and it's mm. it's all up 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 to to the letting agency and all that stuff. But at the moment, we we, we own our apartment where we are now. We we actually bought an apartment here, so I'm not renting at the moment. Well, congratulations! Yeah. I, I, I I I well no no. In, in fairness, that's that's a commitment as well. And you mind me asking, yeah. was the was the was the transition from tenant to um to home ownership? Like, the, is it something that having lived in Ireland for all your all your life up yeah. until you up until you decide to up sticks for the sake of your family? It has to be said. Um, the, was it, is it something that you think would have been as as achievable within the Irish model as it as it was for you in in Helsinki? Uh, well, no, definitely easier here for sure, without a doubt. But like you know, like there isn't a housing crisis that there is back back home, and you can argue all the different reasons for that. But it's a, it's definitely easier. And at the moment, actually, uh, it's a it's a it's absolutely a buyer's market here at the moment. There's like a, a, a couple of neighbours of ours who live upstairs. They're, they're lovely apartment. They have had it up for months, you know. So they're just waiting. So they, 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 at the moment, it's a buyer's market, and it's kind of like you know, it's it's and that's just accepted as the way it is. Like when someone's selling, it's like, well, it might take six months, might take longer to sell the place. So that's the the situation at the moment here. There's a an oversupply, you could say. Yeah, housing, but, but it, well, it's, now it's, you say. Wants- you say oversupply, but there's also uh, 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 what there should be. You know, it yeah, should be. It, like there's also a, a good base level of social and affordable housing, yeah. which means that it run does so the market doesn't run ahead and doesn't make sure it doesn't put those upward only pressures. So you know, like it's, and we've 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 talked on the podcast before about about how that has actually worked, how it has maintained that flat, like because we got to remember going back to this idea of the winter eviction ban yeah yeah. yeah. Uh, we just have uh, the rules as they should be but only for this winter and then yeah. and then we go back to free market could, could you imagine having not having a winter eviction ban in in Helsinki can you like yeah. you, you've posted pictures of digging a car out Dan yeah, yeah, the snow, yeah, being thrown out there, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, it's it's just the norm here. And the thing is, the situation is that, of course, it's a capitalist country. Landlords and and uh, are able to make their money. There's this that happen. People do this, buy and sell the, the apartments, all that sort of stuff. But just the agreement is that, like, but it doesn't trump the rights of the tenant. It's it's like if you want to sell the apartment because the market's looking good and it, the prices are starting to crash, you can't just say whoosh out to the tenant because I want to make the maximum profit. You you have to either sell it with the tenant in situ or wait until the end of the lease. Hmm. You know, so there are your options. And it's like, sorry, it's like the tenant's rights are more important than your rights to make the maximum profit. So that's but that's how it's looked at here, and I don't want to just. It sounds like I'm labouring a point on Helsinki, and we will continue to talk on that on that topic of of, of Finland. But I just think it's interesting because yesterday the um, Irish media lost its shit because the Spanish government announced that they were going to take steps to 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 bring vacant units into into home ownership to for for younger people, and everyone said, "Oh my God!" A few months ago, we covered it with with Joe Pina for the Portuguese government. They announced what what, what was called in Ireland radical plans to um, again bring vacant stock and uh, and temporary, you know, the Airbnb style houses back to the to, to the permanent rental market. And we have a country that says our government said, "Let's lift the temporary moratorium and no fault evictions," which, as Dan is clearly pointing out, is something that is in place everywhere anyway. It's a standard. It's a standard thing. So, uh, I mean, ideology actually does matter. But why Helsinki is interested, why Finland is interested, why many of the Nordics are interested is because some of these steps were introduced by as you said, in capitalist countries by right-wing governments. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, I mean, like housing first was introduced by a right-wing government. Yeah, yeah. 
and and at the same time the estimate was that ireland had about 1100 people homeless back at the end of back post-crash post-global financial crisis um finland had somewhere around 1300 they've now effectively they say they've tried almost eradicated homelessness yes, basically yeah, yeah it's down to tiny numbers yeah yeah yeah, yeah like literally li- like less than 100 we're talking here in in yeah. terms of somebody's uh, you know this this is how it's happening and ireland has gone up by 400 percent yeah. Uh, yeah so yeah, so it's so you don't have to be tony groves raving marxist to yeah, um, yeah, yeah. to to want to do this and and no, no no harm to being a raving marxist every now and then folks um but but if i can go back to then the the actual rental model here here's something for you and i didn't plan on saying this but do you when you were paying rent or your neighbors are paying rent currently what's the average rent on on say that that two bed like what yeah, what, on a two bed, obviously depending on where you are in the city. But if you're like, if you want a two bed somewhere within reason, within maybe 15, 20 minute commuting distance on on the on public transport of the city, you're talking around a thousand euro, something like that. Probably. Yeah, in around yeah. a thousand euro. Uh, uh, if you want to be in the centre, of course it's going to go up. But and then if you want a lower budget, you could get somewhere on the outskirts for maybe around seven, eight hundred. You you know if you were yeah, or maybe yeah. half an hour on a bus or a train or something like that. So, uh, that that tallies with a little bit of research that I did where they said you can have a one bed somewhere between five hundred and seven hundred and a two bed from seven hundred to a thousand. I think if it, you're a student, students. Uh, student accommodation all over the place that's run by non for not for profit student organizations. So students aren't mixed in with the uh, typically aren't mixed in with the private accommodation. If you're a student, you're entitled to be in student accommodation, which is even cheaper again. It's yeah, cheaper. And and you're treated it's treated as your home. You're not in for nine months and then off for the summer and then back again. My friend just left the student accommodation. He's been in there for five years. Him and his girlfriend together, uh, and it's. I suppose it would be it would be rude of me not to ask you about the political climate there at the moment yeah, yeah. because there's been. Uh, th- you know, globally, we like to look at things in as if it, it all makes sense in this boy thing. Like women are being pushed out of politics, Jacinda Ardern and Nicholas yeah. Sturgeon, and now we have seen whereby you know uh, I'm going to I'm going to sorry, folks, don't get upset with me, but the whole idea was you know party girl because you you actually like <laughs> to go out and have a bit of crack. Dan, fill us in. What's the what's the what's the actual uh, story on the ground in 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 Finnish pol- politics at the moment, and how do you, how do you feel about what what's actually transpired the last couple of weeks? Yeah, well, so uh, yeah, so Sanna Marin, who who has been the prime minister up until now, she's been um, very well known all around the world. Of course, she was the youngest female prime minister. Um, I think the youngest prime minister. Uh, that, that that was in power, so she's very popular, still very popular. But she, you know, uh, she lost a vote. But it was interesting in that it. Um, so she she represented the Social Democrats, but the Social Democrats actually increased their vote share in this in this election. It's just that what uh, the kind of centre right wing party called the National Coalition they increased their share significantly as well, um, mainly from some other centre parties and some other bits and pieces. So there's quite many parties here. So now basically there was three parties that were almost exactly tied. You had um, the National Coalition, who are kind of centre-right, fiscally conservative a bit more so. You had the Social Democrats, who would be centre-left. And then you had um, the True Finns, who uh, you can probably guess from their name. They're the kind of nationalist party who would be anti-immigration. They want to leave the EU, this sort of stuff. So you basically had 
you know, I think it was about 20, 20, 20, 20, or 20, 20% each, something like that, 25%, something like that. But they were all almost the same. But you had National Coalition Party just ahead by maybe 1%. Then you had the True Finns. And then I think a half a percent behind that, you had the Social Democrats. So it was very um, equal. But basically what's happening now is the, the National Coalition, the centre-right party, they are trying to form a government because they were they were, came on top. And it's looking like they're going to form a government with the true Finns. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's going to be them and the true Finns and a couple of other smaller parties to make up the numbers. So the reason they want the true Finns is... Um, the National Coalition, they, they're for immigration and they're, you know, they're, they're, they're fiscally conservative, but they're not so bad on other issues. Socially liberal, fiscally conservative. Yes, there you go, there you go. <laughs> so they want the true Finns with them because the true Finns will let them uh, go about their more centre-right-wing policies. Whereas if their only other option is to go in with the Social Democrats, who are quite different, so they would struggle a lot. So I, it's looking like they're probably going to put... Now, there is issues like the um, uh, the... the, the National Coalition are very pro-EU and the true Finns aren't. So they obviously have to figure all that out. But we'll see what happens. But it's looking like that's the case. But I'm not massively worried. I, of course, don't want the, the true Finns in because they're very anti-immigrant and all that stuff. But it, it, it's quite common here that it flips a lot. Would they be okay with with um, with uh, immigrants who, who have your complexion and less well, okay with immigrants who have I, maybe I, a darker I, I complexion? I think you might be on the money right there. You might be right on the money there. So that's that's the situation. So it's, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's just a kind of nasty to see this undercurrent coming here. But... Uh, but you know, it's like the, what people say is it's it's divorce. You know, it's happened in 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 the Nordics a lot recently. We've seen you know that there has been unfortunately. I mean, we speak to Philip O'Connor. You know, the members of the community he lives in are, are immigrants, first generation, second generation, and it's it's become a bit of a cold house for for people of color particularly yeah, oh, of course anybody of of the of the Islamic faith as well are, are finding it difficult and and and. It's be you know so it's it's certainly come to the fore in what you know the West would always say why can't we be more like the the Scandies why can't we be more like the Norse and we always thought you go you guys up there are immune to it but it, it shows that it's not the case and actually nothing demonstrates it more and maybe I'm wrong to make a correlations and you can correct me if you want to between the war in Ukraine and how um, these all of a sudden now. NATO membership and ends of end of neutrality and all became uh, it has become such has come on the agenda to the point where you know Finland has now gone and into NATO. Yeah, yeah. into NATO. I mean that's that's a huge seismic change. Huge, yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for sure. And and one thing I want to point out as well: a difference of like, like with this centre right party coming in, it's like. To me, it doesn't feel like such a massive issue with the, with the centre-right party going in because it's like it, the real argument they're having is how to fund the, you know, the Finnish welfare state. They, they're not saying, like, oh, we're getting rid of all this you know, uh, free daycare or this, that, or free education. They, they're fine with that. They're just arguing about how much debt the country should have or what way the taxes should be. But they, they, they're still, uh, they still see that the, the, the welfare state that is in, in Finland works well. And of course, there's little bits they might want to tweak. But on the whole, they all still support the, 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 the function of the state. So that's why it feels like, okay, it can be the centre-right, then it can be the centre-left, then they can bounce it over back between them and you know it all works out fair in the end kind of that's how I see it I, I suppose if I wanted to frame it through the Irish prism and obviously we always look at it from our own selfish idea uh, prisms our own ideas of the world it was scary I don't know if you saw this but um, the Green Party TD Brian Ledden said I don't think Irish people want to be neutral <laughs> and yet poll after poll shows that we actually do we, yeah, we yeah. you know we have no interest in joining the war machine even though that's kind of 
fake because we've always been facilitating, you know, movements of troops through Shannon and parts of the war machine through Shannon. And we know all of this. It's like we have this sort of collective amnesia to pretend some certain things aren't happening. But when you see those changes and the movements like this, Ireland is full stuff and, uh, you know, all of these things, despite the fact that we, you know, 166,000 vacant properties, um, one of the least densely populated places in in the EU, all of the the capacity only now back to close to our pre-famine population. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like we are not. To go up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I, and I mean, so so like, let's get a grip of ourselves here. But that's concerning, especially when you see how quickly these culture wars take root. And can I ask you, have they played a role in in uh, politics in 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 Finland? Oh, a hundred percent. And and that's why you had the rise of these true Finns, the true Finn party. Yeah, because basically they took a lot of their votes came from what were called the center party which was a kind of a, the party of the countryside, like the Farmers' Party, the Agrarian Party, and they would have been involved in different, you know, rights for farmers and agrarian workers and all that sort of stuff. But a lot of that vote has moved to, so the centre party's almost disappeared, and a lot of that has moved to these true Finns with these culture war type things, and they're, they're like putting the top. And, and, and you mentioned the rural the rural vote on that. Is, is some of that to do with the fact that, and we've seen this play out here where people are saying, that's because the green agenda is coming for you. Uh, you know, we see that. Yeah, there, and they they are against the green agenda. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so you, you can guess it. They're the same. You know, mm. They don't want immigrants. They're against the green agenda, and uh, you know, they're um, uh, that's uh, kind of their, their 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 basic thing. It's like um, I'm sure you can fit in whatever conspiracy theories you want I, in there as well, or a, a dabbling of them in there. And is the reality of this, Dan? I, I suppose, and I know you did a little bit of background research on this, so be delighted to talk to you about it now. Is the background to this kind of really? The, the what we're seeing everywhere the cost of living crisis the people who are maybe you know in previous years would have been close to the ABC1 as we would call them in, in terms of socioeconomic class or as um, actually Aidan Regan broke it down really well yesterday talking about how we you know um, we used to have a it used to be a thing where if you're highly qualified highly educated there was a certain that came with on a majority level, it came with a certain income level. Now we have, you know, people coming out with 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 degrees and and high education into low income work. Is there a, is that is that kind of discrepancy there? And then the cost of everything, the cost yeah. of living crisis. How is that all? Is uh, you know how is that playing out in 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 your community and the people that 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 you're surrounded by? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like everywhere, there's a cost of living crisis. And where I've noticed it more here is in in your um, grocery shopping and mm. in your your fuel and your petrol. That's kind of the two main places where I've noticed it. But I, but I actually, yeah, I, I got cur- I got curious about these things and uh, you know, as you do, <laughs> yeah, as you do. Well, uh, yeah, but about comparing differences between Ireland and Finland, you know, after moving over here and uh, one place where I was really curious about was uh, uh, the uh, electricity charges because the electricity isn't so bad at all here. Whereas I was seeing back home, it was crazy stuff. And my my brother actually just recently moved back to Ireland from from New York, so he opened up a new electricity contract there, and uh, you know I was blown away by the price of it. Like so, so just to give an example, in Ireland at the minute, it's about forty cent per unit per kilowatt hour is is about what what you pay at the moment on a contract in Ireland. Whereas here in Finland, it's twelve cent. Right for for and then you have four cent for distribution, so it's sixteen cent now per kilowatt hour in Finland, and it's forty in Ireland. And then the standing charge in Ireland is between three hundred and three eighty, whereas Finland it's one hundred and fifteen. Well, so it's like it's so, like so half half price. the half the price and and a third of the the standing charge. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, it's less than half the price. It's sixteen compares to forty. 
and then mm-hmm. 115 compared to maybe three eight. Oh, I was I was I was allowing you the extra four on on no product of the twenty. Like, like I, but, I've been. But but what I've noticed as well is it, 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 there's also this thing there's these contract types that I've been looking at as well because I was curious about like okay I want to dig into this and what is it but also in Finland you have far more control over the type of contract you have so when you sign a contract now in Ireland it, it's not fixed like that forty can change it might go up it might go down they're, they're saying it's going up but not saying when whereas here you can now sign a twelve month contract or a twenty four month contract and you can say it's sixteen cent and keep that for the next two years. You can say that, and it can change. Doesn't matter what happens, won't go up, won't go down. But the most interesting one, and what led me into a kind of a deep dive here was, <laughs> and you can buy this uh, exchange price electricity here. Okay, so what happens is power plants, whether it's Ireland, Finland, wherever, they generate electricity, and there's an electricity exchange, like a stock mm. exchange. Yeah, yeah. They, oh, my brother's trying to ring me here. <laughs> like, like a stock exchange, where um, where where the electricity providers buy the electricity at cost price from the from the plants, and then they sell it to the consumers. So, uh, in Finland, you can actually buy from the exchange plus a small service fee. So, what that means is, at the moment, right now, uh, the exchange price here in Finland is uh, 3.8 cent. Okay, 3.8 cent. And they, they, you just have to add 0.4 cent onto it for the profit of the company, and then mm-hmm. you can buy that. So, you can be buying right now for seven seven 7.2 cent at the moment. You, you can buy electricity here in Finland. Whereas back in Ireland, you cannot buy at the exchange. You can look at the exchange, mm-hmm. and at the moment, it's 10 cent now in the exchange in Ireland. So, at the moment in Ireland, it's 10 cent is what they buy it from the power plant, but they sell it to you for 40 cent. Whereas well. in Finland, it's 3.8 cent, yeah, and they're selling it to you for... Uh, 16. Yeah, exactly. Or, or or even less if you're on this other contract. So it's, so it's basically, uh, in, in a nutshell, the markup is far higher in Ireland than it is. So, so the cost of generating it is higher, hmm. and the markup is far, far higher. So it's a, it's twice as yeah. much. And yeah, and yeah there, there, there's this graph boys jumping up and down now saying, yeah. Dan, 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 you're not taking in the cost, the cost of bringing it to Ireland. We have to bring it to Ireland, and and every time you you try to bring it here, it costs us more. Um, exactly. Well, the thing there is, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, of course, there's going to be. I'm not claiming that they're identical. Because of course, they're very different countries. But for example, it's what's nice is you can divide it up into two parts. They, buying it at the exchange is they generate and everything to do with generating electricity is taken for that. So if it's 10 cent at the moment in Ireland, that means all the generation, getting the oil, the gas, all that stuff, which Ireland uses, you know, is covered there. Whereas in Finland, where it's mainly nuclear, um, uh, domestic nuclear wind and uh, geo, uh, nuclear wind and hydro are, are the mm. main ones. So it's uh, obviously there's a, there's a difference there. But after that, all the rest of the cost is just for the distribution. So you can claim in Ireland that we have a lot of one-off houses, and of course that can shift your cost to distribution. There's all this stuff going on, but but basically it's like if you have triple the distribution cost and twice the generating cost, it's like there's somewhere. Yeah, like, no, I, you, you and, think you want to have a, a reason, you know. <laughs> and and even if you do say, well, actually we've we've worked the numbers and we do have that issue. That is, this is genuinely the cost of of all of our. Um, how do I put this? our uh, inadequacies in, 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 in energy provision. Well, then why aren't we really serious about ramping up offshore wind? Why aren't we yeah. serious about doing those things that, that cut out all of those little um, edges to making sure that the, when we get that per, per kilowatt hour price, happy days, we're all much happier. So yeah, no, it, it, it doesn't make sense to actually use it as, as, a, as a stick to beat Ireland with, unless you're going to learn from it. And there's, there's definitely huge learnings to be made from just those figures alone. Exactly, because, and I think it's interesting because it's so much more transparent here. 
because mm-hmm. like I said, what they've said, you can go on to, I can buy my electricity today if I want from the equivalent of Electric Ireland, whatever, here in Finland. And it literally shows it's the, dis- it's the, the price at the gate plus 0.38 cent. Mm-hmm. And then you add on your, a, a little bit more for your taxes and your this. But it's saying that like, this is what we need to make our profit. You know, and the, and then your yours will change as the price changes from the gate because there's nothing they can do about the price from the gate. Whereas in Ireland, they're just saying, "Give us forty cent, that'll cover it. Don't worry." It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah don't yeah. don't look under the hood. Don't look under the hood. So 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 that's what I think is curious because no one knows about the electricity exchange. I didn't know about it until they looking at this. So you can mm. Google the electricity exchange in Ireland and look at the prices, and you can you can see this is what they're paying at the gate, and this is what I'm paying. Isn't it isn't it funny because we've often said. You know, so there's there's a huge argument gone on for the last little while because I'll give you a real life example, folks. The um the UK economy did not go into recession last year. It, it technically didn't go into recession. And I know I spoke to UK economists and say they fucking did. There's no such thing as a technical recession. The real economy, people's lives, they're suffering in a recession. But the headline rate didn't because of huge profits by energy companies literally lifted the entire economy out of recession because they were publishing such big high profits. Yeah. Take that to the EU. The EU technically slipped into recession if you stripped out Ireland's GDP, right? The EU went from plus 0.8% growth to minus 0.001. So Ireland, which is like, you know, less than than 2% of the EU economy somehow managed to lift the entire because of our, I'm going to say, use the old phrase, leprechaun economics, okay? And our Wavin pipes. (laughs) Our our classic Wavin pipes. So, so like, on, on the flip side of this, on the, if these are the, if the, energy companies have such you know a power to to move markets like that well then it, it only calls into question why we're not looking at it in terms of what say com- um ngos like keep it in the ground are saying tax it as it comes out of the ground don't tax it when me and you are using it yeah exactly exactly tax it. sorry yeah, go on. no tax it at extraction point or yeah, generation yeah. point do it there because they can afford it off there off these massive profits yeah, that yeah, they're yeah. making and then maybe we might see a correction yeah, and, and I'll have to come in here because I can admit there's probably people shouting at their radio yes. or whatever at the minute because uh, a big thing in the news is that in Finland we just opened a new nuclear power plant just on Monday, just yeah. opened on Monday there and there was, there's been a big drama because it was over budget and over time and so it went over, I think it came to about 11 billion when it was done but there was an argument between the, the, the French company who built it because they had agreed to do it for 3.5 billion and it went to 11. So they all, it was set in the court. So Are you they, sure they weren't Irish? Yes, <laughs> they might have been. Right. But basically, the, the Finnish energy provider is now liable for five and a half billion. So that was the agreement. And the other five and a half is covered by the lads who screwed up building it. So so that's the agreement now. But but basically, even though they have this massively expensive nuclear power plant that was just built now, and it'll last for years and years, but it's like they're saying the price of electricity is going to keep coming down now because now it's on board. So it's like even allowing for the bloat of this overpriced thing, it's like it's still so much cheaper than back in Ireland. So that's where you hear a lot of people who are arguing for for, for nuclear, for example, because it, you know, they see, see no, this. We, but I, I'm I not going to get into I, that look, because... No, no, I don't know. If today's not the, the point for that. Because, well, in terms of the ethics of that, let's not have that debate, but let's yeah, point yeah, something out. Germany went, um, it closed its last nuclear... On the very same day as Finland opened its new one, but go ahead. <laughs> but, uh, but on that evening, there was reports that the energy grid in Germany was really struggling because wind and, um, and solar and all fell short of what the capacity was needed. So there's 
there's there's an argument there to be had well above my and your yeah, pay grade, yeah, yeah. Dan. But at the same time, it just shows where where you know the mentality is. Look, Ireland has no nuclear power. Do we do we want it? That's not really for me to decide. What are my feelings on it? I'm uneasy. Um, yeah, but at yeah. the same time, I I, I you know I, I can look at it and say. I saw what happened in Germany. I I, I read what um, some of the more informed people that than than I am were saying. The the night it happened in Germany and how the certain areas they they don't have what's called blackouts. They have brownouts. Oh yeah, yeah, that's so, so yeah, it does. It really does. But please come up with a better term than brownout. But what it means is your lights didn't go off. They just faded. All across, all across certain towns and states in 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 Germany, there was less juice to 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 keep the the, the lights on. And if I can jump in with one thing, because I I would be a little bit on the fence as well. You know, I, I see both sides of the argument. But I put as an example in Ireland last year in the statistics, sixty eight percent of Irish electricity was generated by gas, coal, and oil. So fossil fuels in Finland, it was five percent. Yeah. So the fiftieth. Well, so it's because they have nuclear. So it's like I mean, you can argue all, all yeah, other things, but I say I, I, we're not going to have that here today. That needs no, a whole other. No, thing, no. There's, there's I, huge I, arguments I, for the last for point I'll make on it is, and it's a cheap shot because I always have to have a cheap shot. It's fair play to Eamon Ryan for for ruling now LNG and then trying to put in the LNG plant. And thank you, Mark yeah. Ruffalo, for all the work you did in, <laughs> in helping us and helping us get secure the new LNG terminal. That's that is coming, even despite the despite the promises of of the Green Party at this stage um, look Dan I think we'll leave it there for today yeah, I yeah. really really want to thank you for uh, first of all for putting the time in to find that information and it really helps and I think listeners get a lot out of it um, does it, it opens up the eyes of especially sorry big challenge I, I can dunk on Leo for Adkar all I want but I would love members of the opposition to be able to do it in real time when he says something like the winter ban on, on evictions you should have the wherewithal to say, you mean the the average, the, you mean the you've the no fault eviction ban, the moratorium on something that is standard in the countries that you're referring to. And by the way, it rains in Ireland year round. So what you're saying is really, T-shop is get out onto the streets because it might be a bit milder in 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 the spring and summer. Don't give me that bullshit anymore, folks. And do better if you're gonna if you're like you're well paid. Opposition TDs are very well paid, and if a loser like me has that information to hand, and and actually you can link in with people like Dan to get more information on it, surely you can as well. So so we we'll leave it there. Th- thanks very much, Dan. I really appreciate no it. Um, listen, I think uh, we're still due to go back to Gaza this week. We failed to establish a link yesterday, but we are due to go back to Gaza. So as soon as I get that, we'll put it out, um, and we will talk to you all very very soon. Take care. Bye bye. Tony and Martin, Martin and Tony, speaking to interesting people only. It's the Echo Chamber Podcast. Subscribe now on Patreon.